Hello, and welcome to this podcast presented by the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs. I want to uh, want to break in on your uh, dessert just to introduce someone to you. Um, this is Dakota Bradley. Dakota has been um, the Southern Alberta Council on Public Affairs uh, student for the past uh, four months. He's actually been doing um, an applied studies uh, with me and uh, Sheila McManus from History Department. And he's been cataloging and archiving the uh, SACPA papers that we received from uh, Gordon Campbell going back to the beginning of SACPA. And uh, we are in the, we will be entering our 50th year in 2017. And so in anticipation of that, we're beginning to get things organized in such a way as to do something fantastic for 2017 to celebrate 50 years of SACPA. And so Dakota has been a, a great help. Um, if you can imagine having um, somewhere around 45 years worth of paperwork, that wasn't really organized in any way. Um, he's taken that uh, over the past four months and created a finding aid, uh, cataloged it, organized it, and uh, and culled a little tiny bit um, from it. And uh, I just wanted to thank him very much and, and let him speak to you for just a minute about what he's maybe discovered. Thank you very much. I, um, so during this semester, I was able to, to get a look into what this organization has done since, since their founding in the late 60s, and everything that they've accomplished on a purely voluntary basis is, is just incredible. And the efforts of its founders and moderators and Gordon's efforts in just keeping it running and keeping everything neutral and very, um, very open to all kinds of discussion is just amazing that, that this was able to take place. And it's still going, and I'm very excited to see what the final what the final work is on that. And I'm just very proud to be a part of it. Thank you. So, on behalf of everyone at SACPA, we have a small gift uh, of appreciation for Dakota for his time. And I'll tell you that he got a very good mark. I can't tell you exactly what he got, but it was very good. So. <laughs> Hello, my uh, name is Knut Peterson. Merry Christmas and uh, happy holidays, everyone. <laughs> uh, I have a tech presentation to make to Country Kids and Catering today. We usually give them, we don't pay gratuities during the year, so we give them a, a check to cover gratuities. And uh, I think we should recognize how fantastic a job that uh, Country Kitchen Catering does. Uh, last week, uh, they were able to feed 150 people on short notice. Uh, so I'd like to ask uh, Andy to come up and get a, get a big hug from me. That's the bonus part, but the, the money will be <laughs> coming along as well. <laughs> Yay. 
I'd like to ask Dakota if he researched how the menu has changed at Sackpaw. <clears throat> Uh, that would be a, a sub-note or an appendix to put into your research, as they have changed. Well, uh, just before our guest speaker comes back, um, SACPAW meetings will resume in early uh, January, on January the 8th. And the guest speaker that way, day will be Michael Bowers, Byers, Byers, sorry. And um, his subject is um, Arctic War or Arctic Peace. I think you can guess pretty quickly about what that subject's going to be about. Um, so remember, January the 8th, and we'll hope that you'll uh, come back and uh, join in the discussions again, as you so loyally have done that in the past. Now, um, when Dr. Rodriguez um, was drawing up a, a description of what he was going to do today, he had, he had a, a clause in here, or a phrase in here, that said, the speaker will hope to stimulate discussion. There you go. <clears throat> now, he put that in there now. <clears throat> I think we'll make a little bit more space that if you have to prelude your question with a few more comments than usual, we tolerate that. But if I put up my hand, that will be a signal that your comments have, should come to an end and your question should begin. Okay? So we're going to be a little elastic on that, so that we'll pick up on um, his recommendation that there be some discussion. Okay, we invite our guest speaker back on the subject of Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays. Hi, Hillary. I'm good. Hi, Ben. Bev Mundell-Atherstone. Thank you very much. It's, um, it's difficult to, uh, to attack a touchy subject with a light heart. Thank you. <clears throat> um, as you know, Henny and I have lived all, all over the world. And wherever we lived, it seemed like so much fun to participate in the, in the seasonal or the religious holidays of, of the country, like in India. When it was when it was um, Diwali to say Happy Diwali, and when we were in Pakistan to say Eid Mubarak, and also in Pakistan when people were fasting for Ramadan, to be sensitive to the fact that they were fasting, and not to eat in front of those who were fasting, because it would be too hard on them. I have a friend who's a Jehovah's Witness, and. I know that she doesn't celebrate birthdays or Christmas, so I try to be sensitive to those issues. So perhaps we are not truly accepting Canada as a multicultural country when we get so prissy about what we want this season to be called. It is Christmas. Let's just say Merry Christmas. And if we have friends... <laughs> We have friends for whom it's Hanukkah, then we should respond likewise. So what do you think about our prissiness in regard to becoming more multicultural? Thank you. Is that you know, functional? Um Oh, I think I think you're I think you've got something there, in that it's 
if we're truly multi-religious and multicultural, we might be easier with people coming up with different kinds of greetings based on the season and what it means. I think I was trying to indicate that the season doesn't have one exclusive meaning. So that complicates the issue. You're, you're quite right that if you're Jewish, it's Hanukkah rather than Christmas. But if you're Christian and you feel you know, that it's right to say Merry Christmas, I don't think that should be a problem. It's not easy for us to know what the religious affiliation of someone else is. So rather than sort of try to understand, I mean, if you can, obviously, if the person's wearing a turban and you recognize that they're a Sikh or something, perhaps that's fairly obvious, but we don't always walk around with symbols of what our religious orientation or affiliation is. But you know what yours is, hopefully. And, and, and maybe you don't. But if you do and you feel inclined to say Merry Christmas to someone else, it's a season, I think, I think it, should, it should be fine. Uh, um, it is a little challenge challenging to expect you to answer what other people's meditations are. I think it's also problematic because, for instance, in India, to give you that example, a certain holiday time is claimed by many different religious groups. So the festival of Holi, for instance, falls at a particular time, and it's kind of a spring festival, exuberant one where color is thrown. Well, the people who worship Krishna have a whole bunch of myths about why it's a Krishna festival. But there are other, the Lakshmi followers and so on. So there are other sects, religious sects, that all claim that particular time of year. So it isn't as straightforward as saying, hey, look, this is just Krishna's day, or it's just such and such a day. And I think true multi-pluralistic, religiously pluralist societies kind of come to terms with that, and they begin to recognize that people are different. And people's, just as you wouldn't be offended if someone maybe spoke to you in a different language, if that was not their first language, so someone speaking to you, offering you the, the greetings of their religion, shouldn't be terribly um, difficult to handle. I think if it is difficult to handle, it may be worth being a bit introspective and seeing... Uh, asking yourself why it is difficult, why you are being conflicted by the greeting. Thank you very much for an enlightening and very cerebral presentation. <laughs> uh, before I ask my question, um, <clears throat> Christmas is a time of giving, and I just want to um, let people know that just as you're leaving, outside those doors, we have got a fundraiser going for Jessica Ernst, an important lady in Alberta, because she is in the courtroom right now fighting for clean water and fighting to stop the fracking. So um, I'm going to have a beautiful card here for you to sign and a donation box. If you could throw a few dollars in, that would be much appreciated. Uh, now, my question. Um, Wade Davis um, talks about the importance of diversity. I mean, if, if we genetically modified all the flowers in the world and only had one flower to look at, or modified all the people in the world and only one color to look at, it would be a boring place. Uh, we've got a diversity of religions. Primarily in Canada, it's always been Christianity. And as you said in your talk, um, we, the reason for the season is, Chris, is Christ, Christmas. So we would not have a holiday, would you not think, if it wasn't for uh, Christians? We wouldn't have this holiday, yes or no. <laughs> or maybe you can expand on that. 
Thank you. Well, I kind of agree that uh, if you look at the history of Canada, we probably have Christmas holidays because of Christianity and large Christian population that were part of the founding nations uh, here, not counting the First Nations, of course, who probably maybe had a celebration here at this time of year um, prior to the arrival of Christianity. So, I mean, to some extent, yes and no, right? I mean, how far back do you want to go, you know? Uh, the, the 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 early arrival of Jacques Cartier and those early explorers, but that's only a few hundred years ago. So prior to, I mean, it all depends on your sense of historicity as a human being and what you affiliate with. So yes, um, we call it Christmas and we call it Christmas holidays and so on. It doesn't have to be that way. It could be called, you know, um, so, you know, as I said, solstice holidays or equinox holidays or or. It could be seasonal. It could be a seasonal holiday. Um, my, I'm not so sure what you're really asking. If you're, if you're asking, should it be Christian always from now on? Because it has been, in the last three or four hundred years, Christmas. Should it never change? Should it be that way absolutely? There, I'm not completely sure. I, I, I would say, hmm, uh, let it be what it becomes based on the reality of the people to whom it is important. And if the configuration of those people changes in some way, um, let it evolve organically in response to the people. Don't let this thing, this idea, end up becoming a kind of a Procrustean bed into which everybody has to fit. We as human beings, I don't think, should be slaves to the ideas that we create. Rather, we should always be open to the possibility of modifying those concepts, those ideas, and so on, in response to who we actually are. Uh, thank you for your presentation. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Uh, my name is Maria Fitzpatrick, and mine is mostly comment. Um, I grew up in a family and a community that celebrated Christmas. So the first thing that comes out of my mouth is Merry Christmas. Joya Noel, if I'm in Quebec. Um, however, I, um, I'm a morning person. And when I get up early in the morning and I see anybody, I say good morning. And I'm happy to get up in the morning. It's like, okay, I'm alive. I can, I can do some things. And when I say Merry Christmas, I, I mean a good greeting to whomever I speak to. Uh, a number of years ago, I was working in Ottawa, and it was Christmas time, and I was decorating my little cubicle uh, with some Christmas decorations, and one of my managers came and said, no, 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 you can't do that. And I said, why not? And she said, oh, no. She said, there's Hanukkah, there's Kwanzaa, and she said, you're isolating and you're, you're leaving out other people. I said, no, I'm not. I'm sharing my greeting of Merry Christmas. If I know somebody is Jewish, I will say Happy Hanukkah because that's what I mean. I want them to enjoy their holiday. Uh, but I think uh, if it's going to change in this world where we're accepting, I think it starts right here in how you perceive what anybody else says to you. And if somebody is saying happy Hanukkah or Merry Christmas, and they're smiling and they're genuinely giving you a greeting, I think it's important to accept that the way it is. 
So uh, thank you very much again for your presentation. Welcome. Hi there, great job. Joseph Natuk is my name. Christos resides in Slavo de Vovoroko. Christ is born and, and happy New Year. The best of everything in, in, in 2015. This is what my I've been taught from 79 plus years ago. So I really appreciate what you said, and I agree with you that who cares? I mean, I, I'll do my thing. And I'm not going to get offended by anybody, and I hope they don't by me, because I know society is changing. But at the end of the day, we each have the right to say what we want. And I smile, and I shake a hand if I, if I can, and that's really where I'm coming from. So thank you. Welcome. Thank you. Hi, Hillary. Henning Mundell here. My question to you is, do you think our beleaguered city hall is trying too hard to be everything to everybody? Case in point, coming down Hoop Up Drive today, we saw the flashing light, happy holidays, and beside it, a Christmas tree. <laughs> Well, I think, you know, this is, this is the challenge that governments, municipalities, schools, and so on face. I didn't really talk about that, but these are institutions that deal with collectives of people. And it's challenging. I don't think there's an easy answer. If everybody in the community was Christian, it would be a non-issue, right? But the moment you have one non-Christian in the group... Lethbridge has more than one non-Christian in its municipality, you're faced with a conundrum. And the conundrum is, what do I do? It's always been Christmas. Now, to some extent, it's funny to say happy holidays, and you said, well, they had a Christmas tree, but is it the Christmas tree or is it the holiday tree? (laughs) I jest a little bit. Of course, the Christmas... Yeah, and I, I joke about that, too, because to what extent is the Christmas tree in any way related to Christianity? Right? So is it, is it a symbol of the season or is it a symbol of Christianity? And so, yeah, it's become, it's been incorporated. It's, a, it's an older symbol. You know, that, so there are things that we associate with Christmas that aren't necessarily Christian either. And so uh, I find this is part of the joy and the complexity of being human in a pluralist, diverse world where people don't think like you they don't look like you, they act differently. And in our forced interaction, because it would be great if we could just ignore them and not have to deal with other human beings. Sadly, we don't. We, we, we have to interact with them. Often it's quite pleasant interacting with our fellow human beings as we are doing here today. So it's a two-edged sword, the joy that comes from interaction and the challenges that we face in interaction. And navigating through that is never one way. There is no fixed answer. If there was, life would be simple and banal. It isn't. It's, it's something in which we're constantly, constantly having to be on our toes, having to ride the wave and the cadences of existence. So 
Yeah, I don't sympathize. I mean, I, I sympathize with the predicament of the people in City Hall. I don't have a clear answer for how they have to deal with it. But if they're struggling, I think that's a good thing, which means that they aren't oblivious. They aren't doing it one way. They're challenged and they're making mistakes and then they're really about pulling back and so on. But at least it means it's front and center in their mind. Their effort is to try to be inclusive. It's to try to still convey something of the feelings of the season. And I think if we can cut them some slack on that, you know, if we know better, sure, point out where they can be correct. But I, I, I don't have an answer, unfortunately. Otherwise, I'd say, look, they're wrong. They should do such and such. At least they're struggling and trying. Uh, Terry Shellington, thank you very much for your presentation. Uh, I'd like to share a brief experience and then invite you to respond. Um, for a number of years, I served the United Church in Manitoba, and we had a number of ecumenical congregations in the north of Manitoba. They are uh, resource communities in which they, they included four different denominations, Lutheran, Anglican, uh, United, and Presbyterian. And they had to figure out how to deal with all of these holidays and holy days and anniversaries and so on. And their model was that we'll celebrate them all. And so if you're United Church, you learn about some Anglican holy days. And if you're Lutheran, you realize that the United Church celebrates its anniversary in June. For most people who went through that experience, they found it very rich and growthful. And it strikes me a model for our culture that we would unabashedly acknowledge all the holy days and holidays and feel it was uh, richer. We were richer for it. And um, I think that might be, I don't know, I don't have the answer to the, the, holiday, the tree experience, except I think it's a Christmas tree. Uh, but that doesn't uh, prevent us from acknowledging Hanukkah, too, and whatever Islamic day. So I, I just wonder about that as a better model than trying to boil things down to the common denominators. Just celebrate the varieties. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think those are two viable options. One is to boil things down to a common denominator, and the other is to celebrate everything. I'm a religious studies prof. You know, we study all world religions. So I kind of lean a little bit more to your sense of, of uh, uh, trying to understand and celebrate some aspects, or acknowledge anyway the aspects of the diverse plurality rather than some generic norm. Um, it's because I find there's a, there's a richer texture to diversity. You know, I guess that had to do with the previous comment. You know, if we were all clones and looked pretty much alike and all dressed the same way today, it wouldn't be as interesting a group to be looking at from my vantage point right now. You know, I see real diversity out there in each of you, and I somehow feel richer my experience is richer looking out at the diversity of human beings around me rather than something, you know, generic. So if I could, if I could and I can't get to know each one of you for who you are, what your histories have been, your experiences, your likes and dislikes and so on, my goodness, wouldn't that be wonderful? But I think opening up to the diversity in our, in our cultural makeup and our religious plurality and so on, enriches that. So my preference would be for that. But, um, I mean, there's a case to be made for the other side. In, in, in some things, you can't do it. You know, it's sort of like teaching a group of students in a classroom of 30 or 50 or so on. You can't teach each and every student according to their abilities. 
you find that you have to do a presentation that is sort of a bit generic, that might cut across. So we again find ourselves having to forge these odd compromises. It might be unrealistic to celebrate everybody's religious holidays because there'd be one every day. In fact, the Hindus alone probably have one every day, you know, and so on, right? So, so you probably all pick up some major ones based on, uh, yeah, my preference. But sometimes that has to be ameliorated as well for something more generic. Quick comment. <clears throat> uh, when I was coming here today, I looked at two calendars. <clears throat> and both of these happened to be banking calendars, which, we, which is the common denominator that we all have. Our banks and our monetary system <clears throat> is such that we have certain things on there. And these calendars were bank calendars. <clears throat> and they said Christmas, New Year's, Boxing Day, uh, so what I'm saying is it's all driven by our holidays, maybe all driven by monetary issues. And like if you look around behind you, you'll see there's two trees. Which would you consider a holiday tree and which one's a Christmas tree? <laughs> uh, so consequently, is that put into our minds by our monetary issues or is it put into our minds by Christianity issues? Wow. Good question. I'm not sure what all gets into our minds and how it gets there. I think there's a lot of issues that feed our, our value system. And monetary is pretty important. Religious is quite important. Sometimes they overlap in ways that they ought not to, but they certainly do. Um, we have other concerns that aren't officially just religious. You know, there could be personal, social, and so on. So um, it's fascinating to actually watch what comes up in your own mind, though, right? Your reaction. If you look at something and you go, you know, what kind of a tree is that, right? I mean, think of the transformation just of the Christmas tree, Right? At one time, you lit candles on it, and that became kind of dangerous. And, you know, you went to lights and colored lights, and now it's LED lights. And now you have the trees that have the built-in fiber optic things. And then you have the real tree that you go out and cut and, and so on. And there are tensions between whether you get a, a real tree or an artificial tree. And there are good arguments to be made for both sides of the issue, environmentally, and then, you know, and so on. So, I mean... I'm always conflicted, frankly, with everything I do through the Christmas holidays, right? From buying presents for my kids to sending greetings and so on. Um, I sometimes would like it to be easy, and it never is. Uh, I guess I dread the holidays like anyone else, and I look forward with expectancy to them as well, you know? So I think the... I don't know. I mean, so the answer to your question is I don't know the sources that feed our consciousnesses. I'm not so sure they're exclusively business-related, but money does play a very important role in there. Hi. I'm, um, I'm wondering as far as greetings go, just when you greet someone with a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holidays, is there an element of, of uh, too much sensitivity in, in how someone receives such a greeting that's maybe part of this issue? Is if people take 
like if an agnostic were to take a Merry Christmas with, with some kind of slight, is that more of a cultural sensitivity that we need to work past, or does that have some place in the multicultural part? Is that we do need to take a defensive sensitivity, or is that something that's bringing up issues like this in awkward conversations? It's a great question. I mean, uh, you know, it's... Uh, Do you remember when, when the women's movement started and grew with greater fervor a few decades ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. So maybe, I'm sorry, the analogy may not work, but for the other old-timers among us, oh, there aren't any here. Uh, you know, the whole idea of, of how you addressed, like how you wrote, right, gender-inclusive language and, and so on. And, you know... I mean, I, I've gone through the whole spectrum. It's like, hey, if I say, you know, he did that, I mean everybody. But then the feminists would tell me, no, when, when you say he, uh, you know, yeah, we know that your intention is that you include everybody, but it really doesn't really resonate with us so much, right? So it took me a little while before I began to appreciate what it might be like being a woman and hearing he all the time, even though he was a pronoun that was supposed to represent everyone. And then, so, so then, then I was saying, now what do I write? And you know, is it I'm, I'm, I mean this when I'm writing it, and you know, but but that other person's getting offended. Well, not everybody's getting offended, but some are. Well, is there something I could do that might not offend anyone? Well, or offend fewer, right? So, so I changed my own way because I can. If I can modify something, that doesn't take that much out of me to make life a little easier for others, I'll do it. But I don't always know what to do. And so I think sometimes we could have gone, we could overstep it where it becomes, you know, a real source of constant tension and all the rest of it. I think that was your, your point. You could be quite right. But maybe we need, some pendulum needs to swing to the other direction before it finds a balance. And, uh, but I'm not so sure that a balance is always some midpoint. I think the, the, the pendulum will constantly be, be swinging, sometimes more so, sometimes violently, back and forth, but it'll never ever stop, into, uh, at a, to, I don't think, to some stationary point where we're completely comfortable with what to say when we interact with other people in any context, not just this one. This is just one of the ones that, you know. So, yes, we, we may be overreacting a bit. Last question. I think they all expect me to ask the last. I always do. <laughs> Professor, thank you very much. Uh, I'm just wondering, you purposely, not deceitfully, mentioned today's events in history. Since you're, you're relegated to the knowledge of all religions, what the hell is going on? Religion is forced on their views by the gun today, butchering, killing. Surely the goodness, you would have some answers with your religious training and teaching. Why is it happening? This is religion. When we went to school, the feudal wars were all religious. It's all religion, war. What's the answer? What's happening today? Thank you. Let let me answer that in a a few sentences. (laughs) I, I mean, I don't mean to make light. Obviously, it's an extremely, well, it's an extremely serious question. Uh, 
And throughout history, religion has played a great part in human conflict, uh, sadly, when it's in fact, in essence, almost all religions uh, preach at their core peace, tolerance, love, and so on. Uh, So this is, of course, exactly the very paradox of what it is to be human, that sometimes the very things that we take seriously, that we cherish, end up becoming the centerpieces of our conflicts. Perhaps it's because we become so heavily invested in the ideal of our religious faith rather than the spirit of our religious beliefs. And it's the ideas that tear people apart, not often the spirit of our humanity, reaching in somehow deeper to what that our humanness is. You know, that's what Confucius said. That's what Jesus... Every religious teacher that I've looked at, that I've respected, has pointed to the same thing. And they pointed repeatedly in the face of brutality, war, suffering, and so on, conflict in their societies. A few listen to them and go, yeah, I think I've got what you're saying. You're so right. And then go running out and do exactly the opposite of what they intended. Perhaps this is the problem. It's one of the challenges of being human. We are not any different than the people around us. You know, and I, I, the struggle, I feel, is always an internal struggle, a struggle for us to become and be the human beings that we would like to be. But we lose our way, and sometimes with, with deadly consequences, quite often with deadly consequences. And we see, we, you, you don't have to, to mull this over as some deep and profound observation just open our newspapers and turn on our TVs every day, and we see manifestations of it. Will it go away? I'm not sure it ever will. Can we hope? Yes. Can we try? We must. But, and maybe at times like this, when we are, you know, this season is the time when we have at least the opportunity to think, be, act, and so on, and according to our greatest and best sentiments. So let's make the most of it. Speaker is that he has successfully disarmed a conflict. So let's thank him. Thank you all very much.